you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, I love having that theme song, Taking Care of Business. You know, I'm sure some of you have been walking through a grocery store. That song comes on, you think, hey, it's time for the 48 Days Podcast. You know, it's, it's kind of cool to make that kind of connection with an old classic song, Bachman-Turner Overdrive, Taking Care of Business. Well, that's what we're going to do here. I've got a free resource for you. If you text 48 days, altogether 48 days, to 33444, we got a free personality overview guide for you there. One of the basic building blocks and helping you understand really what you're a candidate for. So again, just text 48 days to 33444. One of those cool little technology things these days that we can do and get you a resource really quickly. You can just do it from your phone if you want to. Well, our sponsor today is Harry's, Harry's Razors. You hear me talk about them. That's the way I start my day every morning. Well, after a few other things, I don't actually start with that, but it's certainly one of the integral parts of having a great day, great morning, ready for a productive time, always starting with Harry's. If you go to harrys.com, you can use 48 days as a code to get five bucks off your purchase, and it's not a whole lot to start with. Well, I, w- I want to talk about, you know, what's the most important thing in our lives? Is it our work or is it our life? How can we distinguish those things? Got some questions today that are going to kind of take us into that arena. I want to review with you the 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Got some questions around that. How about this? How do we help our, how do we help our children find their creativity when they're in schools where they are being molded to conform, memorize, do exactly what they're told and create predictable things. Ouch. I want your input. I want your input. I got a new um, theme that we're going to be working on, how to raise entrepreneurial kids. I want your input on that, and I'll tell you how to get your thoughts to me here in just a minute. Question says, how can I get my blog shared over 1,000 times like Derek Olson did? Here's a free ebook, Five Ways to Balance Your Life. And somebody says, I cannot imagine living a life where work isn't the highest priority and use of my time. And then somebody asked, what's the most effective process for getting a job? Those are all things that we want to review. Um, somebody says, I feel uncomfortable working with people who are taking advantage of the company day in and day out. A lot of territory we need to cover today. Here's our, here's our quotation. Now, this comes from Margaret James, a philosopher, who says at the end of our life, and now this addresses that issue. What's the most important thing? Is it our work or our life? At the end of our life, It's the laughter, the tears, the shared joys, and the shared heartaches we remember. The wealth, the work, the trials and problems are as nothing. It's the quality of our days and the people we share them with that make the difference. Margaret James. Now that's kind of a, you know, a circular kind of argument. We can go round and round about that. You know, what is most important? Is it our work? Is it our life? Well, to me, they're pretty blended together. They're both important but you've never heard me to say that, you know, the only thing that's important is what you do to create a paycheck. Certainly not. You need to be making deposits of success in other areas as well. And some of you need to be working physically, making deposits of success there. If you compromise that, 
doesn't matter what your financial portfolio says, you aren't going to be able to enjoy it. Some of you need to be making adjustments, making big deposits in your relationships that you have. Well, I can't imagine anything that would undermine a joyful life more than having bad relationships. Some of you need to work in the spiritual area. So all of those are very, very important. I want to give you some models for people who are doing that well. Well, here are the 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. Now this, I just went back and grabbed this several months ago. I got your input, you, the listeners input on, you know, how, what, how do you end up rich? How do you become rich? And you gave me these really well thought out 10 keys that I pulled out of people who do end up rich. These are the characteristics and you can have these characteristics today. Number one, expect success. Number two, create a clear plan. Number three, work hard. Number four, avoid debt. Number five, be teachable and a lifelong learner. Number six, exercise self-control, persistence, and delayed gratification. Number seven, accept personal responsibility. Number eight, keep good company. Number nine, be opportunity conscious. Number 10, enjoy the present, but plan for the future. Golly, I love those. I love those. I mean, we ought to, we ought to, ought to put that together and make a plaque out of that. You know, I could do that. We could make a really cool thing. You know, Andy Andrews, our friend, has a thing on the seven, what is it, the seven pillars of success or something. We ought to put this together, the 10 characteristics of people who end up rich provided by listeners to the 48 Days podcast. We'll do that. I'll, I'll make a note here to just pull that together and we'll work on creating a really nice little poster and make it available for people. <clears throat> All right. Well, again, just a reminder, our, our sponsor today is harrys.com. You can go to harrys.com, use 48 days as a code to get $5 off your razor. This is what you shave your face with in the morning. It's got those five German engineered blades. I mean, handsomer, sharper, less expensiver. They use these really cool adjectives on their website. But anyway, it's a cool package. Just go to, to use 48 days as your code. You'll see a little welcome there to 48 days crowd. And believe me, just a minor adjustment in the way you're probably getting blades now. Those cheap things you can pick up at the drugstore. Just get these. They'll be sent right to you, and you're going to enjoy the difference. Harrys.com. Use 48 days to get your $5 off. Now, I want to go right into some success stories. Kim Yarbrough um, started, uh, she says, Hi, everyone. I've been a silent partner of the 48 Days community for almost a year, enjoying everyone's posts, comments, and inspiration. I'm finally beginning to venture out a bit as I've begun to find my voice and my confidence. I've been a dancer and teacher for most of my life, and I was a dance school owner for 17 years. I began to turn my years of training, curriculum, and business experience into materials that I can share with others. This week, I published my newly revised version of Choosing a Dance School, Essential Questions Every Parent Should Ask on Kindle. It's a guide for parents and a standard for school owners and teachers, and it's a free download this weekend. And we're talking the first weekend in August. I'd appreciate it if you'd share with parents or anyone who has an interest in finding the best dance school for their children. Thanks for your support. Now, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But if you just go to Amazon and put in Choosing a Dance School, Kim's book is going to come right up, and it's free. Just download it. It'll help get the buzz going for her. 
And again, congratulations to Kim for getting that going. Now, this comes from Derek Olson, who, who started a post, how my guest post was shared over a thousand times on three large websites and is getting thousands of views. Now, this is what he shares. He says, you know, guest post has been doing very well. It's been shared over a thousand times. It's by far his most popular post. And he says, this is what he's been trying to figure out why it's done so well. It's real, honest, personable, and relatable. He says, four years after he quit his job with nothing to fall back on, he finally wrote about it. And that's what he writes about in this post that's been shared so many times now. Well, it turns out a whole lot of people want to know how he did that. You know, so again, um, how to make it get shared a lot of times, make it real, honest, personable, and relatable. And the post is um, why I quit my job with no plans for what's next. So he promoted it on social media. He promoted it on Kamanzi Constable's website. You heard me talk about that. Kamanzi's a, a master at sharing and helping other people know how to get their message shared as well. He shared, uh, Derek shared it on Rockstar Finance, another site. It was republished on Good Men Project. So it gets keeps being passed along, again, because it is honest, personal, and relatable. Great way to get your message out there. Derek, thanks for sharing that. Another success story, obviously. Uh, Todd Stocker, I mentioned Todd last week. He had a really great quotation for us last week, but he's got a new ebook up, Five Ways to Balance Your Life. Um, and it's available now. He says, if you feel it's worth passing along, you can send your folks to my website, Todd Stocker. That's Todd with two D's, Stocker, S-T-O-C-K-E-R. And click on the elephant on the right sidebar. And it's five ways to balance your life. By all means, go there and get that new ebook that he's making available for people. Hey, just a reminder, uh, Coaching with Excellence coming up coming up now the first uh, Thursday and Friday in September. So it's getting close. Seats are filling up fast at this point, but we're going to have a blast. I mean, this is the place where a whole lot of the people you hear me talk about on here got their start in being paid for coaching and being paid extremely well. I love the stories as we get those in. Um, we're going to have Kent Julian here. You've heard me talk about him a lot. He's going to share his own success story going into coaching and then into professional speaking which is really what he does today. I'm going to try to talk him into giving a copy of his new book. He's got a brand new book out, really cool. Um, and I'm going to talk him into giving a free copy to everybody who comes to Coaching with Excellence. Uh, you'll hear from Giovanna Ellison. Um, again, she just spoke at a women's conference in California. Now, here's the way this thing works and the way we talk about it, the way we build a model in Coaching with Excellence. She spoke. I don't know if she got paid or not. It really doesn't matter because you know what? Before she left the room, she had four new coaching clients. I mean, that's the way it works. If you have a business where you understand having multiple ways people can experience your message, you can speak and not get paid for it at all. If you are prepared to lead people to coaching or a live event that you're going to do. And I spoke last week at a women's conference called Thrive here in Nashville. And they didn't, well, they gave me a, they gave me a gift. They gave me a $25 gift certificate to Amazon and a bag full of goodies. So, so that was my pay, but I, I knew that going in. I mean, I didn't expect anything, but again, before I left the room, I had probably six or seven ladies, you know, connect with me. How can I go deeper with what you're doing? How can I get involved in things that you're doing? 
Wow, do you think that's compensation? Oh, yeah, it is. Well, hey, one more reminder. Cliff Ravenscraft's Podcasting A to Z is coming up. I mean, I talk about Cliff a lot. He's my podcast coach. He still helps with details in my podcast. Been a great friend over the years. His business has skyrocketed. Uh, He's a great example of building success in other areas of his life this year, other than just financial. So a lot of you are following along with that. But his new, well, his, his ongoing Podcasting A to Z, the next course starts August 10th. And if you go to podcastingatoz.com and use 48 days as your code, you'll get $500 discount on that. And believe me, I highly recommend that. Um, I mean, this is not something Cliff pays me to promote, but I know that a whole lot of you ask me about podcasting. I had, I had a call just this morning as I'm recording this from one of the radio stations here one of the big radio stations, they said, we want to get into podcasting. Can you help us? Isn't that interesting? I mean, radio realizes that they're in a struggling kind of medium. People don't want to be confined to what they can get within 25 miles of a geographic center. I mean, if you're driving across the country, you're listening to something. Yeah. I mean, 25 miles, you're going to drive out of the zone and then you find something else. Wow. We're spoiled. We know we can listen to anything we want to anytime, anywhere. So, radio station was saying, how can we get into podcasting? And I referred him right straight to Cliff's course, podcasting a to Z.com. Again, if you want to go there, you can use 48 days as your code and get a $500 discount. Well, Hey, I've got a whole bunch there that we could keep going with, but I'm going to bring it to a close. so We can go into some of these amazing questions and other kind of sharing that we've got going on. But just a reminder, you got a success story and we'd love to hear about it. I'd love to share it with the 48 days community. You just go to the 48 days.com site, click on ask Dan. We'll take you to a red starburst where you can share your story there. Or as you know, you can just shoot an email to me directly at ask Dan at 48 days.com. All right, I want to start off here. I want, to, I want to lead right into something that I'm really excited about sharing. I got a note from Carolyn Norris from Ackworth, Georgia, who says, Hello, Dan, I love your show. I've been reading your newsletter and podcast since 2001 in college. My gosh, it's been 14 years now. Well, I'm one of the old timers there in that space. Uh, may God bless you for all that you do to help us find the work that we love. Last week, while I heard you mention a possible future podcast on entrepreneurial opportunities for children. I have a child age 11 who is quite interested and I wanted to share with you the resources that I have found. Now she listed some things there and I'm not going to go through those, but I'm going to save those as a resource. And here's why I want to go back to another email that I got back in April. Thomas sent me a note and he said, Dan, lately I've been becoming more and more afraid for my kids as they're going through public school. We don't have the resources to privately educate them. And both me and my wife are currently working full time. So homeschooling isn't an option. Just this week when I was helping with their homework, I was astounded to see how all of the work they were doing wasn't put into any context. They weren't told, being told why they're learning anything. My oldest daughter, who is a natural dancer and free spirit, is forced to sit in a chair for hours and do mindless memorizing of things like Greek and Roman names for social studies. They don't even tell her why she needs to know them. 
My youngest is bright as a bright creative girl, and she's told that she needs to read and then fill in the blanks for her homework. No reasons are given for what the point is. So what can we do to help my girls explore their natural talents, skills, and abilities to prepare them for a world that requires the exact opposite things they're learning in school? You have any plans for a kid's version of 48 days? Maybe a summer school camp. I'll bring them to Nashville. Well, on and on. Kelly, thanks again, Thomas, for your note. But I want to tie these two together. Now, that was back in April. I put it aside. I've mentioned it several times since then that our next theme is going to be how to raise entrepreneurial children. Now, that doesn't mean they don't go to school, but it means what are you doing to ensure the quality of what your children are learning and how they're being prepared for life. That's a biggie. I want your input. I want your input to help us frame a podcast. We're going to devote to that. Now, you know, a couple weeks ago we did one, Joanna and I did one devoted to how you deal with a negative spouse. Loved getting your wisdom and input where I just read the 10 characteristics of people who end up rich That again came right directly from you, the listeners. I value the brain trust we have here. A whole lot of smart people out there. I love your wisdom and expertise. And I want to hear it on this. How are you raising entrepreneurial children? Or at least how are you raising children so they're prepared to do more than just learn? So they're prepared to understand and apply that in a meaningful way. So what are you doing? Teaching, education, Uh, opportunities that you're giving them, travel, family support, extended family influence. I mean, how are you teaching them problem solving, how to learn from failure, how to make decisions, how to move from learning to mastery, how to challenge the way that things are now. I mean, one of the things I love about having grandchildren at this point is watching the things they do to solve problems. Wow. People aren't buying your wooden plaques at $15. Experiment. Lower the price. $7, you get more people standing in line than what you can take care of. Wow, maybe $10 is a sweet spot. Children learn that. What a valuable lesson to learn that. You know, the well, I've, got, I've got all kinds of stories to share about things that my children have done and now grandchildren, but I want to hear about yours as well. What are you doing to raise entrepreneurial children? Now, what I'm planning to do is I'm going to, I'm going to make that, I'm looking ahead a little bit, probably the November 20th podcast. So we got a couple months. I want to give you plenty of time to get your input into us, but send your input to kids at 48days.com. Obviously I just created a new email address there. So those all go into one place so I can deal with them in one way. So send that to kids at 48days.com. And we'll shoot for November 20th to do a segment on how do you raise children that can think, problem solve, and are going to be the leaders in the next generation. Thanks for the reminders and the opportunity. Can't wait to do that. Well, Aaron Hagard uh, started a discussion. Life will pay what you, whatever you ask. So I'm asking. And he says, if I've learned anything from Dan, it's being a person of value in the marketplace. So before I ask, I simply want to offer Um, what I'm asking for in exchange is something simple as well. Okay. This is what he's asking for. All right. He'll share our content, all of that, but I want to send you right to what he's really asking for. Aaron Haggard, again, in the 48 days community, 
He says, I'm asking, I have the opportunity to win a scholarship worth $4,000 toward a $7,000 tuition for the coaching program through the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. This is a dream come true for me as I've been searching for a coaching opportunity that resonated with my passion, talents, and financial goals for some time. The winner of this scholarship is a person with the most views or likes on their YouTube video. That's all I'm asking. Watch the two minute video and like it. If it resonated with you and you feel so inclined, of course, a share would be greatly appreciated. Now we've already shared this through the 48 days community. I instructed Brian Dixon who handles all of our social media to be blasting that out there. I love this kind of stuff. Yeah. We'll send people there. Just go there and watch it and like it and help Aaron get his scholarship. I mean, what a cool thing. Now it's difficult to give a URL for a YouTube video. So again, go to the show notes at 48 days.com podcast, and I'll have it there. I'm not sure we, it's hard to get that out. If you listen through zoom stitcher and all those places, but go to the, just take the effort to go to 48 days.com, look at the podcast and see it in the show notes. So you can click on the YouTube video there. The, the challenge is there's so much content on YouTube, obviously, if you put in Aaron and his first name is spelled A-R-E-N, if you put in Aaron Haggard, you're going to get the first 1,500 sites are Merle Haggard because <laughs> of the last name. So it's hard to get a get a get uh, an easy search there, but I'll put the link up there. So, hey, we appreciate you letting us know that. And we're delighted to, to help you with that for sure. We want to help you get that $4,000 scholarship. Sounds cool. Well, hey, just another reminder there that if you've got a question, you're hearing real questions from people in our community here. If you've got a question, we'd be happy to include it in an upcoming podcast. Just go to the 48days.com site. Click on Ask Dan. That's the easiest way. You'll see a little red starburst come up there. You can include your question right there. Or you can just shoot a question to me directly at askdan at 48days.com. Now this, this came, this is a result of uh, something I talked about in last week's podcast. Winston Faircloth started a discussion, start acting like a millionaire before you are. And he says that around the 36 minute mark of last week's podcast, Dan talks about surrounding himself with high achievers. And I talked about the fact that I lunch often at the, the country club, which sounds really fancy, but I don't pay anything for that. All I do is just pay for my very reasonably priced lunch. That's it. It's just choosing to eat someplace different, you know, choosing to eat where I'm sitting in between. I mentioned, I don't know, like Michael W. Smith and, um, golly, uh, Daryl Waltrip is always there. I mean, you see bank presidents and people like that. So it, you just surround yourself with people who are achieving things rather than going to, you know, TGI Fridays and, listening to everybody bellyache about how bad things are at work and how much they hate the boss. It's just a different environment. So what Winston is saying is I would have never thought of that approach, which would exponentially multiply my connections with high achievers. This would also help me fulfill day 47's task of taking a millionaire to lunch. So here's his question. What other low cost investments are you making to start acting like a millionaire before you're, you're surrounding yourself with high achievers? Masterminds are an obvious answer, but Dan's insight really got my creative energies flowing. Let's help each other by sharing your ideas and approaches. So go to Winston Faircloth's discussion in the 48days.net community and give him some ideas about what you can do 
to act like a millionaire before you actually are. Now, this is not some phony kind of thing, you know, go down and buy a CZ instead of a diamond and, you know, put it around your wife's neck. I'm not talking about, you know, airy fairy crap like that, but there's, a, and I don't want to, I don't want to prime the pump here too much, but there are certainly things that you can do that create the mindset of being a millionaire long before the money is in your bank account. And it has to happen, frankly. If you don't think like a millionaire thinks, you're not likely to end up having the money that a millionaire has. So again, great discussion. Winston, thanks for that. And we want to get some people there to help you out with that. I'll go there too and add some. Believe me, I've got a whole lot of ideas about things that work, but I want to see what the community comes up with. All right, Rick says, I'm planning a relocation job search from St. Louis to Phoenix for family reasons. How does this change the 48-day search process when seeking positions out of state in an unfamiliar territory? I'm seeking a sales or business development position and feedback so far has been companies want local talent player familiar local talent familiar with the players in the market. I remain confident of opportunities, just need to refine my presentation. Well, this is a common question. I've got, got another one here. I'm going to play the audio real quick and then we'll talk about this. How do you do a job search when it may be a couple states away? Hi, Dan. It's Tim from St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, I've got a question for you. In regards to the 48 days job search process, with a little twist, uh, how does how does that change in terms of a job search when you are relocating to a different state? For example, I have plans to relocate to the Southwest and conducting a job search, and I'm just curious how that changes particularly in the minds of the potential employer when it comes to interviews and when you're competing with uh, local talent, so to speak, in that area. And I'm just curious if you could touch on that and just provide some feedback on what additional steps are required or perhaps it's just the same. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, just looking forward to your feedback and uh, enjoying the podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, thanks, Tim and Rick, both for your questions. Very similar. How do you do a job search when it may be a couple states away that you want to end up? It is really not much different at all. I mean, 99% of the process is exactly the same as if you want to get a, another position right in the town where you currently live. So you identify the 30 to 40 companies that would be target prospects for you. You do the intro letter that goes out to them. You do the cover letter and resume follow-up and then a phone follow-up. And then, and to actually set interviews. Now here's the deal. Companies these days are smart enough to know that good talent is everywhere. Certainly they know they don't have a captive on great talent in the city that the business is located in. So they're open to that. Very open to that. Most companies do an initial interview via the phone or Skype or zoom or something like that at this point anyway. So even being there physically isn't an issue until you're really well down the pike in terms of then identifying you as a really good candidate. And when you get to that point, I find that companies are extremely flexible and accommodating where you say, you know, I'm currently living in St. Louis, looking to move to Phoenix. Uh, We plan to come there in two weeks. We plan to spend these four days. I'd love to schedule an interview face-to-face while I'm there. Would that be convenient for your scheduling? And they're sure, they'll make that work. They'll accommodate that. And the, the, it would be very rare. Now, now with one of the questions here, you know, he says they want 
local talent familiar with the players in the market. That, that's a real unique kind of situation. You know, if you're going to be an account rep, take over existing accounts in a geographic area, yeah, there may be a little bit of preference given to somebody who's already there, already lived there. But for most jobs, it's really not going to be an issue. So go into it with your head held high, go through the job search just exactly as it's laid out in 48 days. And the results, you're going to get to that point where if they need to do an in-person interview, yeah, they can make that work. But they're going to certainly want to be exploring good talent good candidates from a wider geographic area than just where they are currently located. Yep. All right. Grace says, uh, greetings. I've been reading your books and loving them. They opened my eyes to opportunities all around me. I've been reading through the schedule for 48 days to the work you love. And I've been following along in the book. I'm hitting a roadblock though. I can't imagine living a life where work isn't the highest priority and use of my time. My parents both worked long hours at jobs that they either hated or were treated badly at, so I don't really have good work role models. Have you ever been there? Any advice would be wonderful and welcome. Well, golly, my my background, golly, work work was a curse from God in our household. Now, it wasn't verbalized like that a whole lot, but my dad was a farmer, not by choice, but because it was a default position or a young guy with no education to do to be responsible and raise a family. I mean, he was a pastor of a little church, not paid. That's another story, how he got in that position, again, not through passion or talent or uh, academic preparation at all. It was through a totally different process the church used to assign him that position, and he was obligated to take it. So I did not come out of an environment where work was is seen as something really to be enjoyable. I learned that on my own as I researched and studied it. That being said, is it the highest priority, the highest use of my time? No. Work is important, but it's not the only thing of importance in our lives. And let me give you an example. Yesterday in my mastermind, uh, one of the guys in there is David Hancock. Now, David is founder and CEO of Morgan James Publishing, you know, major publishing house. I mean, they do hundreds of books and have done lots and lots of New York Times bestsellers that you would recognize. He's the founder and CEO. His work schedule is that he is in the office at the crack of 10 o'clock. He takes a two hour lunch. And a lot of times that's with a family member, just somebody just, or, or somebody just wants to get to know. So he's in at 10 o'clock and home by five. And he works Monday through Thursday. Now, if you do the math on that, we're talking about a 20-hour work week. Does he love his work? He absolutely loves his work. I mean, he's a master at helping people craft their message and then get the books published, get them out there, mainstream places where they're going to be picked up and purchased. I mean, we're uh, actually, Joanne and I are working on a book with him right now. It's Joanne's book, and David's going to publish it. Through Morgan James, we're real excited about it. Uh, several members of my mastermind have books that are in process or are just coming out with Morgan James. So he's a very busy guy, but he's not spending 80 hours a week at work. I mean, his, he has a wife, two children, both his parents and uh, his parents and Susan's parents live within 10 minutes of where they are. There's a whole lot of time spent with family and on the beach. I mean, I know some of the things that David does. I mean, he's got a really cool life. And it's his life that matters. Work is one tool for a successful life. You've got to believe that, but you've got to be intentional about creating the rest of your life with meaning as well. 
I mean, the rest of our life just doesn't, I mean, if we're sloppy about it, it's meaningless as well. If you just come home, you know, flip on the TV and grab a beer, you know, the rest of your life isn't going to have a lot of meaning as well. But if you're intentional about what you do with your time outside of work, that ought to be equally as fulfilling and purposeful as doing work where you get a paycheck. Let me just read a quotation. This comes from Jane Mishner. Now, when I work with people in the coaching process, we often use this as kind of the goal for what we're trying to accomplish. Listen to this. James Mishner, of course, was a novelist and author. This is what he said. The master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and his recreation, his love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. To him, he's always doing both. I love that. The blend where people aren't sure if you're working or playing. I mean, I challenge people with that all the time. If you catch me outside, now yesterday, I walked down our long lane, got the mail. Had a couple packages in there. An author sent me two of his books. One of the books, it's by Thomas Corley. And the, the title is Rich Habits, The Daily Success Habits of Wealthy Individuals. I came back in. I opened that. I was kind of intrigued by the opening of the book. I went out and sat on the swing on my front porch here at the sanctuary, just outside my office. And I read the book in its entirety. Now, it's not a lengthy book. It's only about 100 pages but I read it in its entirety. Now that was right during the middle of the afternoon. Did I take a break from work so that I wasn't working at all? Or was that part of work? I mean, even I'm not sure, but it's something that I enjoy thoroughly. Nobody was telling me I had to do it. I don't get a paid for doing it. It was something I thoroughly enjoyed. And yet, yeah, it's a part of my work because it allows me to pass on information to other people. And that is very much part of my work, but yeah, Get over the idea that work is the only thing that's important. You've never heard me say that. And as much as we talk about the value that it has, it's simply one tool for a successful life. Alex says, I love your program and learning materials. I'd like to move to a different department within the company I currently work for and would like as much advice as you can provide on the best way to do so. I'm afraid of what my current manager would say or how she would react to my decision to move on as she brought me on board to eventually take her position. I'm 31 years old. I feel very lucky to be in an organization that has the department in which I'm interested in pursuing a career in, even when I would need to acquire some specific skills to do the job. I'm very motivated, excited to get started. How should I approach my current manager about this topic? And how would you go about acquiring the skills necessary for the job? Well, I I really have no idea how to acquire the skills necessary for the job because I don't know what that is. But you ought to be able to identify what it would take to do that. Now, as far as your question about you're kind of afraid to talk to your current manager because she brought you on to replace her. Well, here's my experience. Well, let me just give you a little bit of advice on this, and then I'll tell you my experience and my advice on that. But... Alex, keep developing your personal and leadership skills, regardless of what position you're in now. Keep learning, growing, acquiring new skills, mastering them, I mean, proving yourself to be an invaluable uh, employee, an invaluable part of the team. 
My experience is that a good manager is never going to hold you back from advancement for which you've proven yourself to be a candidate. So if you really have, and you can make a case for why you would like to move to a different department, your manager ought to understand that. And if she really agrees with that, if you make a strong case for that, it would be very short-sighted of her to hold you back and keep you in her department if it wasn't using your best skills. So just assume that she's going to be a big thinker, that she's going to be concerned about your best opportunities, your best success. And if so, then her thinking is going to line up right along with yours in this. So prepare yourself, make a case for it, make it clear how you are already acquiring the skills for that, why you're a candidate for that and why you think it's a good move for yourself and for the company at large. And if you do all that, Hey, I think she's going to embrace it and help you accomplish your goals. Byron from Sand Springs, Oklahoma says, how do you feel about career fairs? My school is hosting some between now and when I graduate this spring, I did not have great success. The last one I was at. Okay. So what about, what about career fairs? Well, Byron, I encourage you to see those as one small part of your search process. I mean, like recruiters, or posting your resume online or reading the one ends in the newspaper. I mean, those are all fine and I encourage you to do all of them, but don't depend on any of those to uncover a great position. I mean, I would never expect to just go to career fairs as the one thing that you do. I would never tell you to go to an executive recruiter and use that as the only thing that you do. Those are just tools, but do it all. This is not a time to find the one right thing. This is a time do it all. So, and if you're going to career fairs, here's the deal. As you're networking, talking, working on the wording of your resume, and you keep getting better and better at communicating your unique value. Wow. I mean, that's the main value of a career fair. You get to practice your elevator speech over and over again. That's what you want to do. Well, got some, I was going to talk a little bit more about the job search here. Again, we, we've got a really clearly defined job search process laid out in 48 days to the work you love. Uh, I don't have time to really unpack it all here, but believe me, you can keep yourself in the, in the driver's seat. You identify those 30 to 40 companies, you make the contacts. That's a process that's proven that still gets people multiple job offers again and again and again. Now moving on here, a couple more. Andres from Franklin, Indiana says, I just started a new job recently, which uh, I love the type of work I do. But the only thing that is bothering me is the environment that I'm in. I feel uncomfortable working with people who are taking advantage of the company day in and day out. For example, you know, being on social media and smartphones, the, the way that we live today, they're constantly on their phones when no one's around. They don't do it in front of our boss, but when she's not around, they live on their phones, computers, sitting around talking, etc. I'm not the type who likes to tattletale on people, but it's way out of hand and I don't know what to do. Should I ask to be moved to another position or just deal with it because it's eating me up watching these people steal from the company every day? Well, that's a tough kind of challenge, Andres. You know, every company has its own culture. It's never going to be perfect. And let let me say this as gently as I can. Please be clear that the fact that you have taken a job means you've given up a great deal of control for the work environment that you'll be in. So be realistic about what you can control and what you can't control. 
really asking to be moved to another position because of what you describe will not put you in a good light. I mean, you're going to come across as a baby tattletale regardless, even if it's true, even if it needs to be dealt with, it's not going to put you in a positive light to say, gee, you can't work with these, you know, people who are stealing from the company. What you, what I would suggest you do is just set the example for being someone who works with integrity, who has a strong work ethic. I mean, that's going to get noticed. You may think nobody's watching, but trust me, they are. There are ways to be watching what people are doing. You just be an example of what somebody with a strong work ethic and high integrity would be. That's going to get noticed and you'll find new opportunities that come out of that. That's the way I would approach it. Well, this comes from Ray. Who says, I love your podcast, so inspirational. I'm a 28-year-old single mom with one child. I currently work in accounting. I see myself being a CEO of a company one day or having my own company. The one downfall is I've filed for bankruptcy at this very young age. I feel that in certain areas, that's going to affect me. I come from an environment where everyone is comfortable being mediocre and struggling. I refuse to be in the place that I am in now. Are there ways of becoming successful even after filing bankruptcy? Will future employees, employers rather in the accounting field, see this as a negative? Well, you don't identify when you filed bankruptcy. I mean, there is a timeline on that. You're going to have about seven years where that follows you around pretty readily. And in that period of time, it's going to be a biggie in certain kinds of jobs. And that's really the key in certain kinds of jobs. That's going to be a biggie. If you are applying for a position in a financial institution, a bank, a mortgage company, an actuary company, you know, something like that. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be our stopper. That's okay. I mean, that doesn't need to stop you and where you're going. Now you say you currently work in accounting. Now here's, here's an example of how this works. And why there's such a dramatic kind of break in the break in the history here, if you want it to be. I have an accountant that I've had, my gosh, I suppose for 12 years or so now. But when I wanted an accountant, I put out a little notice in a couple different places. I had 53 people apply for that. I chose the lady who does that. She's wonderful at what she does. She understands me, my sloppy methods of record keeping and all that. She reads me like a book comes in and and just makes everything sing and whistle, putting together those cool reports that I need and keeping my nose clean with the IRS and tax advisors and all that. Has she ever filed bankruptcy? Well, I don't think so, but I have no idea. I didn't do a background check on her. I chose her because of the quality of the work that she did. So if you're going to look for a traditional job where they're going to do background checks and all that, sure, there are going to be some industries where that's going to be an issue. Now, in some other industries, it wouldn't be an issue at all. I mean, if you want to, you know, if you want to manage a restaurant or if you want to work in, in the real estate industry or whatever, you know, there are things like that that are even kind of closely related though, where it's really not going to be an issue. But the bankruptcy is going to follow you around for a while. Yeah, make sure that you keep yourself clean that you do manage your finances well so that you avoid ever being close to that again. I know it's painful to go through that, but in terms of getting a traditional job in certain industries that are more connected with the financial industry, yes, it's going to be a challenge for at least seven years 
after. So you got to get past that point. Great question. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not, instead of going into more, I just want to give you a couple of reminders here. Go back and listen to those 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. I, I love the input from you, the listening audience. Um, my, my son, who Kevin, who hosts the Zig Ziglar podcast, uh, sends me screenshots every once in a while. And last night he sent me a screenshot again of what's hot in podcast and 48 days podcast was number two. And incidentally, thank you for that. You know, I, I don't, you, I don't think you've ever heard me, you know, say go to iTunes and leave a review. I mean, I hear a lot of podcasters that do that. I, I've never begged for favor in that regard. Obviously, if you say good things there, I'm sure it helps. I'm not one to even track numbers or pay attention to that. I just do what I do because I love doing it. And thankfully it does connect with people and I appreciate having you as listeners, but, and I appreciate the input. I mean, the wisdom that I get from you, the listeners, my goodness, that's a lot different than just a podcast where I'm just talking off the top of my head and expect to be the, you know, the guru on everything. I don't pretend to be that. I learn from you all as you share your lives with mine. And I appreciate that. But go back and review those 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. What a cool, cool thing. And the other things we talked about here, make sure you go back and pick up some of those resources. Go to the podcast link because I'm going to have a link there to some of the things that we talked about here. Also, just a reminder about the coaching with excellence coming up here just in a couple weeks now. Well, about three weeks now, but I'd be delighted to say, I know I'm going to see a bunch of you there, but that's always an exciting time. Uh, we're going to give you an experience to remember, not just information to learn. It's not that we want to move you from learning to mastery. I mean, that's one of the, well, that's one of the really key points out there right now. I see so many people who are learning, but they, they never move to mastery. All they do is just learn. And frankly, uh, like one of the members of my mastermind said yesterday, Tom, he says, learning is easy. Mastery is tough. Well, we want people to master coaching, not just learn about it. You can Go online and learn about it. We want to help you walk through the process so you come out on top, so you can be one of the coaches that we brag about here. But that's Coaching with Excellence coming up. Other things that we're doing here, let us know how we can help you. Golly, and again, just thanks for being part of this amazing Stuck community where we, in fact, are finding or creating. You know, I always threw that in there. You may never find the job that fits you perfectly. You may never find the job that is the blend of your passion, talent, and what you need in terms of money. Can you create it? Yeah, in a heartbeat. You know, I'm convinced of that. I've seen so many people take unusual, non-traditional kind of things that other people said weren't realistic, weren't practical. Who cares? You don't need that. Just do something with it. Create your own work that is meaningful. Create the work environment that you want. We've heard about that today. I'm confident you can do that. Well, thanks for being part of this community. I wish you the best in the rest of the year and the new year that is to come. We'll be back here every week. Don't plan on missing a one, even with other things that I'm going on, to have a real life in addition to the work that I do. Jesus.